Okay, today's daf is daf Samach Dalet, 64. We pick up in the middle, middle of Samach Kimmel Amid Bet, and um, our learning should be in the Zuchus with the Tefillah of the safe protection of all of our brothers and sisters in Israel and the uh, speedy return and the safety of all of the hostages um, and our hearts and minds go out to them. Uh, we pick up in the middle of Samach Kimmel Amid Bet, and um, it's, the Gemara is Ibailu. So this is um, about about 18 or 20 lines from the bottom. The line starts with the word Shehi. It's roughly across from the Tosos Bini. Um, so the middle of that line, Shehi, um, Ibailu. They raise the question. Yado. So we're dealing with the Mishnah where a father is believed to say that I married off my daughter. And as we're going to find out late in, uh, on Daf Samachtal, today's official Daf, based on the Pasuk where the father says when, in the case of um, the Motsi Shemra, the father says, SPT Nasati Laisha I gave my daughter to this man, that that's why the father is starts by being believed to say who he married his daughter off to. And as was clear in the Mishnah, that then we created a whole situation about uh, requiring a get and so on. If now she wanted to marry someone if he couldn't remember who he married her to. So the Gemara wants to know how far is it that he is believed to say that he married his daughter. So Ibailu, they raised the question, um, will somebody get skila based on the father's testimony? Not the case of our Mishnah. Father says, I married my daughter off, my underage daughter off to Ruvain, and Shimon comes along and Shimon has uh, sex with her, and there are witnesses. Will he get uh, skila? Will we, will we um, you know, execute him for an act of adultery based on the father's testimony? How far does that uh, belief in the father, if there's no witnesses, um, is that an absolute, absolutely accepted as fact to the point of being able to punish somebody as a consequence of that? So, yado. Ravamar ain't Soklin, no doesn't go that far. You don't get skila. It might require a get. We don't let her to marry somebody out to, to you know marry somebody else without a get from the person the father says he married her to. Um, but it's not enough to punish somebody on the basis of that. Ain't Soklin. Um uh Ravaziam or Soklin, no, you give him skila. Ravam or ain't Soklin, Kihemne Rahman al-Avli Isura. The father believe the Torah believed the father to make it forbidden. You assume that as fact in terms of what you sort of allow people to do, but not in terms of actually using force to punish based on that. Um, uh, not, to, not to actually execute somebody. When it says, it means that the Torah believed him completely. All right. Um, La'av. Amar Avasi says Ravasi, Umodina, but I will concede, Bomeris needs Kadashti, if the woman says, I got married to Ruvain. And again, no witnesses. And then there's witnesses that she sleeps with Shimon, that in that case, when it's her testimony that establishes her married status, she ain't so clear, that you would not give Skila, you would not go ahead and execute Shimon. Um, now, very um, self-reflexive comment of Ravasi. These teachings that I just have, my these two teachings, because the one that we taught yesterday, which is that if um, the uh, the father says uh, the woman says I married somebody and I can't uh, remember, and a guy comes along and says it was me, that actually you don't believe that you believe when the father says I married somebody and I don't remember, and somebody comes and says it was me, you believe the guy, and now he's able to actually. Actually, 
uh, live with the woman, uh, have sex with the woman, be treat them as a married couple. But if the woman says, I married somebody, I don't remember who, Ravasi said, if you remember yesterday, that you don't believe the guy. Why? Because the woman, maybe now she's interested in this guy and it's not the same one, um, and maybe she'll go along with it. But for some reason, we're not concerned that that's the case of the father. So in the case of the father, we figure a guy wouldn't claim it was him who married her if he's lying because the father would say, no, it isn't. You're a big liar. I mean, I don't remember who was, but I know it wasn't you. So be, so therefore, because he's afraid of being contradicted, if a guy says it was me and the father says, you know, I married her, my daughter off, I don't remember who, but because he's being afraid of being contradicted by the father, you believe the guy and you let him go ahead and be married to the woman. But in the case of the woman, he's not afraid of being contradicted. You know, maybe this is the presumption that women are, you know, more ready to marry any schlub, any guy. Um, you know, maybe he'll be able to do something to seduce her and maybe she'll go ahead and she'll play along even though it's not true. Okay, so that's what he said. So now he says, that thing I taught yesterday and the thing that I'm saying today, these they shatter the rooftops. They like they sound crazy. It sounds like it, they don't make any sense when you bring them together. Why? When it comes to the case of the father, I said that if the guy comes and says, oh, you can't remember who it was me, you believe the guy. So if we're willing to believe the guy, and you know maybe he's lying, and maybe it's an act of adultery, but no, we'll believe him. So even though the father is the one who said I married her off, we believe the guy, that would suggest that the father's claim that his daughter is married is not have like full halachic weight because we're willing to not be be so worried when this guy comes along and says he's the one. So that's the case. So, um, that when the father says I married her off and the guy comes and says it was me, we're willing to let him marry her to be, you know, and to live with her. So, Amarta Soklin, and never, so, and, and we still will say that for some other person we would give skila. So, if we're going to treat the father's testimony, I married my daughter so weighty that we'll give skila to another guy and yet we'll believe somebody who says, oh, you can't remember who, it was me, if that's true, when it comes to the case of the woman, and she says, I married somebody, and some guy said, I can't remember who, and this guy says, it's me, we don't believe him, so you might, so that suggests, if we're not going to believe him, that's because we're really afraid of the weight of her testimony that I married some guy, and maybe he's not the guy, so if when it comes to the woman, we, 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 that her testimony that she's married is so weighty that we're not going to believe the guy, even weightier than the father's. The father, we believe the guy who says it's him. By the woman, we don't believe the guy. So So certainly, therefore, if she went and slept with somebody else, we would consider you give her skila, okay? So said another way, what he's saying is like this. It's a little crazy. The father, I'm saying the father's testimony is so weighty that you give skila for it, but not the woman's. The woman is not so weighty you would give skila. The Torah really only trusts the father about his minor daughter, not an adult woman about herself. Interesting. So in terms of consequence of skila, the Torah trusts the father about his minor daughter much more than it trusts the woman, okay? And yet... When they're not certain who the guy was, we're willing to be okay with it in the case of the father's testimony and not in the case of the woman's testimony, even though the woman's testimony is a weaker in terms of treating her as really being married. So on the face of it, this seems to be a little crazy. Okay, so that's what he's saying. I acknowledge that. Um, 
Velohi, but you should know, even though it looks like that, um, it's not really a problem. Lav hemne rachmana lidida, lo hemne, lo hemna. The Torah trusted him, it didn't trust her. That's the way it is. The Torah tra- treated his testimony about his minor daughter as fact, and therefore some other guy would get skila. Her testimony about herself that she married without witnesses is enough to make it forbidden with other people, but not treated as fact to give some guy skila. And yet, when they're not certain and some guy claims it was him, in the case of the father, we believe because we're afraid that he'll be afraid to lie. And in the case of the woman, we don't believe because we, fra- we feel he won't be afraid to lie. There are different considerations. The father's is more weighty than the woman's, but when a guy claims it's him, there's reasons why he'll be believed in the scenario of the father and not in the scenario of the woman. Okay. Rav Chizda Amar, Echazeh Vechazeh ain't so clean. And Rav Chizda says, no. I don't think when the Torah says it trusts the father that there's ever any evidence that it means that it gives it so much weight as absolute fact that you could actually then go ahead and give skila to some other guy on the basis of it. Okay, now Rav Chizah goes according to his opinion elsewhere that where we other places find that the Torah believes people about personal status, it's not the same type of belief as if it were testified by eight witnesses. Okay, that's actually going to be a lot of the next upcoming Mishnahs and for the uh, Daf Samathal today's official daf, is about different ways in which the Torah believes certain people regarding statuses. So let's take a look. The Amar of Chizda, because Rav Chizda said, we're now five lines from the bottom on Samach Gimel and Bet, because Rav Chizda said, a father says, my son is nine years and a day old, or my daughter is three, three years and a day old. And the halachic relevances for this is that for a boy, when he's nine years and a day, it's, and he has intercourse with a woman, it's considered an act, a halachic act of intercourse. So that means he's not yet an adult, not yet obligated for, his, you know, punishable for his actions. But if he has intercourse with a woman who's a married woman, you know, an adult woman who's, ma- who's married to an adult man, and then he goes and has this nine-year-old boy and one day has intercourse, she has committed adultery. So she would be stoned, not him. Um, you know, she would, whatever, you know, she would be punished, not him. Um, if it, um, Similarly, by a girl, a minor girl who's married by the, daughter, by the father, if she's three years and one day, it's considered an act of intercourse. I know it's pretty horrific just to think about this. Um, and therefore, if um, a man, an, a man who's not her husband had intercourse with her, he would be, um, you know, executed for adultery, but not her. Okay, so he is, a man is believed to say that his minor children, boy and girl, are of these ages, nine years and a day and three years a day, the korban of alola makas velola onshim. For a korban, like, so if this case of this act of intercourse happened with a married, you know, the, the, the minor daughter was married or the, man, or, or the boy had it with a, an adult woman who was married, um, then the adult party of that act, if it was unintentional, you know, they thought it was their spouse or something like that, whatever, anyway, it was not done b'mezid, it was done b'shogeg, they would bring a korban. It would be an act of intercourse and it would be a korban. So the father's testimony about the age of his children works in order to make the adults obligated in a korban, so it has consequence, it is believed, you know, believed to say it's forbidden, believed to go ahead and to bring a korban, but not for physical punishment, not for lashes in a case where it would not be a punishable by death, other types of intercourse which would be punishable by lashes, and not for um, execution, okay? So the same way he says that about believability about the age of children, also in terms of the father's believability about the married status of his daughter. Okay, minor daughter. 
Tiny Kavas to Rav Chizda. We taught like Rav Chizda. Benizem ben Yud Gimel Shanav Yomechad. Biti Zu Bas Yud Gimel Shanav Yomechad. Somebody test him. Gimel Shanav Yud Bet Shanav Yomechad. Excuse me. So now, similar, not about being an age of intercourse, but an age of adulthood. My son is 13 in a day. My daughter is 12 in a day. And it also there's two pubic hairs, but that at least is um, can be observable. Um, but exactly how old they are, we're going on the father's testimony. In such a case, your belief for all these areas of halacha. So if they make a neder, the neder is binding, a vow. If they sanctify something to the base of mikdash, which is like a cherem, a type of way of sanctifying things. Hekdesh is a different way of sanctifying things. Erechin, another way of accepting a monetary obligation. In all those cases, anyway, they are believed. Aval, interesting, those are all very similar cases about like acts of vows. But anyway, lo lamakas But not if they went ahead and they did a transgression, we would not, we would not apply any punishments just based on the father's testimony about their age. Okay? So what we've now is that's the end of that Mishnah. So we have seen the question about the father's believability about his daughter's status, um, that she's married. Um, that was taken for granted in the Mishnah. A debate about whether that is just for, um, you know, making it forbidden or would there actually be even a consequence of, of treating it as, as um, adultery for, to be punishable by execution. Um, and then the question about somebody who says it was me when they don't remember who it was. Um, if we believe that person for the purpose of even now being married to the to the woman, okay. We now pick up on what is officially today's daf daf samatala top of the daf new mishnah kidashi espiti. So again, the man is now saying, "I married my daughter under when she was under age." So if he says kidastia vigerastia kishli katana varei katana. I married her off, and I accepted afterwards at a later time geirushin for her. All of this happened when she was a minor, um, and when I was entitled to, you know, marry her and accept a get for her. Um, and she right now is a minor, so in theory he could be doing this right now if he finds a willing party in, on the other side. Okay, Neman. Then he's believed. So what's the relevance of this? He's believed that he is now a divorced wo- uh, woman, you know, young woman, um, whatever, or girl, and uh, now she is forbidden to marry a Kohen. Um, he claims he did it when she was a minor, um, but now she is an adult, okay, when he is making these claims. In that case, since he's not in a position to do it now, he's not believed, and therefore she is, so starting with the claim that he married her off. He says, I married her off when she was a minor, but right now she's an adult. So he's not believed. He's making like he, he, so. This is sort of saying that the the, the 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 way the Torah believed the father was when he was in a position to do it right now. When he was, you know, when he actually, um, 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 when he actually was a minor. But he's not believed to say it when she's an adult, and therefore he is. Um, her his statement is meaningless. Starting with his statement that he married her, so she's considered to be never married and permitted to a kohen. Okay. Um, now. Um, by the way, it's odd, the case not mentioned in the Mishnah is if he said, I married her when she was a minor and he said it when she was a minor and now she's an adult and he said, I accepted a divorce from her, obviously he would be believed in the first part, not the second part, and then she would be considered still an HSE. Okay. Um, now let's say he says she was taken captive and I redeemed her. And again, this is all based on his say-so. We don't have any evidence that she was taken captive. So, whether she's a minor or an adult, he's not believed. 
Um, and therefore, if he were believed, then she would be forbidden to a Kohen because somebody that was taken captive and redeemed, obviously, while this is very, as I'm reading this, realizing how uh, relevant this is to the tremendous tragedy that we are all in right now. Um, and this was at a time where really the thing was really about ransoming for money, you know, very different reality than the tragedy we are all de- dealing with. Um, but if he, and in this such a case, the woman is forbidden to a Kohen because of a concern that she was raped. Um, um, but um, but he's not believed. He's not believed to say she was taken captive, even if he's saying he's redeemed her. But you know that doesn't change that that would now be her status as a woman who had been captive. So he is not believed, and therefore she is totally permissible to a kohen. So let's take a look at the Gemara. Why is he believed in the beginning when he says he married her and then got, you know he married her off and then accepted her divorce and not believed in the end case about the captive? Um, uh, it's in his ability. He could go ahead and marry her off now since she's still a Ketana. Therefore, he's believed to say that he did it. Whereas in the end case, um, now, I should, if for those who are thinking about this, I should point out that's going to be questioned later in the Gemara. He's believed to say, first of all, you need a man on the other side to agree to do it. He's not, he can't be the one to initiate a get, which is the second part of his statement. But anyway, this is something that he's more in control of, says the Gemara. Um, and, but in the end, being taken captive, which is the basic statement that got, would, would, would make things a problem, that's not something that he can do to her. So therefore, he's fundamentally not believed. Reishi biyadeh sefer la biyadeh. For lo, Mar says, is that really true? That the sefer, okay, maybe the specific case of the sefer is not in his control. But if the reason he's believed is because it's his control, and the way Rashi sort of explains this as a type of a mali l'shakir, why would I have to lie? If I was making it up, if I wanted to get her into this situation, I could go ahead and do it in another way. That's one way of explaining the fact that it's under his control and therefore he's believed. Other, you know, uh, Rishonim sort of say it's not about a type of why, it's proof that I'm not lying, but it's a special status of being believed, something that I can control, I am believed about, okay? But anyway, so so one way or another though, if it's under his control, he would be believed, that's the ratio, at least somewhat to, to some degree. But the case of being taken captive is totally not in his control to make that happen. But says the Gemara, something similar is in his control. It is in his control to have her become invalid to a Kohen, and therefore, since he can manipulate it that she could become invalid to a Kohen, he should be believed about the Seifa. How could he ever become invalid to a Kohen? So the Gemara says, Varei biyadul halal. He could marry her off to a halal. A halal is somebody born of a forbidden union of a Kohen. So let's say a Kohen married a divorced woman. The child would be a halal, the man. And it's permissible for a, uh, this halal to marry you know, um, um, a woman. But the woman then becomes a halala by, by, by force of being married to the halal. So therefore, he could marry her to this halal, totally permissible marriage. And um, she's a minor, remember, and, um, and so he has that ability to turn her into a halala. So since he could change her status as a halala, somebody who's puzzled to a Kohen, he should be believed about this case about being taken captive, which is the same issue about her being puzzled to a Kohen. invalidates her to a Kohen. That's not difficult. This, our Mishnah does not think he has that ability. Because our Mishnah is going like Rebbe Yustai ben Yehuda. That the daughters of Israel are a 
mikvah of purity um, for halal men. Um, you know, so it's um, a pretty graphic image there. Um, but it, basically, the act that that a a halal man has with a Jewish, you know, with a with a normal woman who's not a halala, just a normal Jewish woman, like if he's married to her, so it says that, you know, the, uh, talking presumably about, you know, her womb or whatever, I mean, that's sort of the image, right? But that purifies his seed, as it were. So since she's an okay status, him being a halal does not impact the status of their child. So halal plus a Jewish woman, the child, if it's a boy, would not be a halala if it's a girl, excuse me, the child if it's a girl would not be a halala, and they Therefore, he also doesn't make her a halala. The normal assumption is, is that if you have a man who has a puzzle status, that, uh, as for Kohen, that status transfers to his child, he's Michalel Zaro, and transfers to the woman he is married to and having sex with. But that is not what Reb Dustai says. Reb Dustai says that the child of a halal, if it will be kosher, and the, and the woman, the wife, will be kosher as well. Okay, so therefore, um, he says the father is not in a position to make her apostle to a Kohen. Okay, uh, so Varei says, but we're not done. But he, what about, wait a minute, he can marry her off to a mamzer. And if he marries her off to a mamzer, now that is forbidden. A, a bat Israel is not allowed to marry a mamzer, only a mamzeret can marry a mamzer. Um, and the product of a that type of an act of a bat Israel and a mamzer, besides that the child will be a mamzer, mamzeret, will make the woman forbidden to a kohen. Now, the only difference between that and the case of the halal is that it's actually a transgression to do so. So, But even though the father would transgress, it's interesting, the Gemara still considers it to be biyado because the kiddushin would still be binding. The kiddushin is not binding between somebody for whom the iser of intercourse is an iser kares, um, like, which is like, you know, a married woman in all of the cases of, uh, what do you call it, of, 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 of incest and so on. But it is binding for somebody that it's a simple love, a simple negative prohibition. So the father, even though it would not be legal for him to do it, you know, it would not, it would not be permissible, it would be binding for him to marry her off to a mamzer, and that would make her in, in, into a, invalidate her status as a Kohen. So the father could invalidate her status as a Kohen. So the woman says, so ah, so then he should be believed, therefore, about her status as a woman taken captive. So it says, it's going like Rabbi Akiva. Our Rabbi Akiva said that any, any marriage that is forbidden, even by a simple love, like the case of a mamzer, or even, um, you know, um, um, well, we'll see about kahuna in a minute, but uh, uh, other types of cases like a mitzri after a couple of generations, any type of forbidden marriage, it doesn't have to be kares. The result is that the child is a mamzer and the, the kiddushin is not binding. If the Torah forbids it, the kiddushin is not binding. So why does our Mishnah think that the father is not believed about the daughter's status as a shivuya, as somebody puzzled to kuna? Because he has no ability to make her puzzled to kuna because our Mishnah is going like Rebbe Akiva. And according to Rebbe Akiva, any attempt the father would have to marry her off Echalah wouldn't matter, as we said, and anybody else he could marry her off to that would invalidate her, make her puzzle for her Kohen, um, it would not be binding, so he doesn't have the ability to do it. Okay, so, um, so the Gemara says, um, now you can tell the Gemara is just having fun because this, uh, this isn't really, obviously not shot in the Mishnah, but the Gemara is saying, well, one minute, were she an Almona, 
we're not even talking about an almana. Were she an almana, he could make her, you know, has the ability to make her puzzle takuna because he could marry her to a Kohen Gadol, okay? And, uh, and, and now, why wouldn't that be the same thing for Rebbe? He can't, it wouldn't be binding, it's prohibited for a Kohen Gadol to marry an almana. Because what Rebbe Simai says, Rebbe Simai, Titania, Rebbe Simai Omer, Minakol Oser Rebbe Akiva Mamzer, Rebbe Akiva would make any child the offspring of a forbidden, you know, of a marriage that was forbidden, even by a simple love. Chutz me amana l'koyin gadol, with one exception of an amana to a koyin gadol. Shari amar Torah. Now, it doesn't really mean amana l'koyin gadol. It really means all of the Israel kunas. It would also be a koyin and a grisha, let's say. There, so things that are unique to kohen, the child would not be a mom's heir. Okay, how do you know it? Shari amar Torah. The Torah says lo yikach v'lo yichalel. He should not take this woman, and he should not desecrate his seed by a kohen. That's what it's talking about about an amana to a koyin gadol or other types of women that are forbidden. You know, grusha and so. One. That it makes the seed a halal, it makes the child a halal, but not a mom's there. Okay, so there you could actually go ahead and do a marriage of a woman, let's say a grusha to a, to a, you know, to a kohen, and the child wouldn't be a mom's there. So why? So that's a way in which you could make the woman invalid. But why didn't the Gemara say grusha to a kohen? Why did it go to a monitoring kohen gadol? Because grusha and a kohen, the woman's already invalid. But we're saying, but the father has the ability to take a woman who's not puzzled to a Kohen and make her puzzled to a Kohen. How? If his daughter happens to be an Amana and you happen to be able to find a Kohen Gadol in the time of the Mishnah, which obviously didn't exist, then he could, in theory, combine those two and therefore that would be a case of a forbidden marriage relationship, which would make her forbidden to a normal Kohen, but not, it would actually be binding because since the child wouldn't be a marriage, the marriage would be binding. So, you, so, so why didn't the Mishnah <laughs> say that that was how, you know, the father could do it and the father should be believed about her status about being captive? Obviously, because we were not talking about a Oman and we're not talking about the time of a crank, although, but anyway, the Gemara is having fun. Okay, so, why does the Gemara say the father couldn't be believed? Isn't this a way that the father could affect her status vis-a-vis a Kohen, even according to Rebbe Akiva? So the Gemara says, Rebbe um, um, because we would be going like Rebbe Yosef. Let us come and cry out against Rebbe Akiva, Akiva ben Yosef, how, that he has such this, he has such a crazy extreme position. We should all protest it. Shaya Omer, he used to say, any type of Situation where there, where intercourse is forbidden, the child is a mom's heir. So, meaning, Rabbi Yishovev disagrees with this position of, uh, who was it, of Rav Simai, and he would say that even in the Kahuna case, the child would be a mom's heir. Okay, so where are we? Well, the question is, why is the father not believed about the woman as the status of a shuya? Can't he make her forbidden to a kohen? So we would say, no, he can't. He can't do it through a halal because we, we because this mission is assuming that it would uh, marry to a halal would not affect her status. He can't do it to a mamzer or somebody else because it's assuming, like Rabbi Akiva, that that would not be binding. And he can't go ahead and do it to an Isser Kahuna, like, you know, a Manatokoyen Gadol, even if you could have such a scenario, because this is uh, assuming like, um, uh, like Rabbi Shovev, Shovev, that would say that, in such a, that, um, that even for that case, the Kiddushin would not be binding, according to Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva would say the Kiddushin is never binding in these cases, and the child is always a mamzer, so the father has no way in which he can make, change his daughter's status and make her forbidden to a Kohen.
Okay, so now the Gemara says like this. Shapir, if Rabbi Shaviv is saying, he's just sort of saying like, he's not just specifically responding to Rav Simai. He's just making this broad statement on his own. Rabbi Akiva says, Kiddushin is never binding whenever intercourse, and Kaz is always a mamza whenever intercourse is forbidden, and, um, you know, and, um, and, and I protest that. But he's making a claim that Rabbi Akiva applies, says it all the time. Then, I, then you're right. Then there's no scenario for Rabbi Akiva where the father could change the status. Okay? Uh, uh, but if he's just disagreeing with Rav Simai, Rav Simai only referenced the case of Amman and Kohen Gadol. And he actually was saying, you know, and he was actually saying, you, Rav Simai, think Rabbi Akiva would say Amman and Kohen Gadol, that would be binding? You're wrong. Even that case, he would say. All cases, he says. But he's really responding to Rav Simai. So if he's really just responding to Rav Simai, then they're only talking about things that are prohibited by a negative prohibition. And that would still leave open the possibility that even according to Rabbi Yishovev, who said, Min HaKol, even according to him, Rabbi Kiva would say Kiddushin would be binding by an Isser Asay. What's an Isser Asay? An Isser Asay is like a, you know, is like a case of like a Mitzri or a, uh, a Manat or, or a, um, you know, after, after multiple generations or a, what do you call it, a... Um, um, a new a um 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 a kohen gadol and a um and and a non besula, you know. So by an iser say that would be the one case that Re, even according to Rabbi Shabbat, Rabbi Akiva would say that that maybe is still binding. So you see. So now we're saying you're, we asked why is this Mishnah? Why don't we believe the father by the case of captivity? And the answer isn't he able to make her forbidden to a kohen? And we said no. It's according to all these various opinions that the father has no way to marry her off to any man that would make her puzzle to a Kohen. But now we're saying, but wait, even according to the most restrictive opinion of when Kiddushin is binding, of Rebbe Akiva, he could still marry her off, you know, to a Mitzri, a third generation Mitzri or something of that nature. And in that case, he could, if you could find one, and he could still make her usher to a Kohen. So we're now back to the question of if he has the ability to do that, why isn't he believed in the case of captivity? Okay, so let's take a look. Uh, so, um, uh, okay, so Ravashi says, all right, but you know what? I don't buy this whole discussion, this whole thing, that the reason his father was believed was because he had the ability to effect that status, and now you're focusing on can't he affect the similar status at the end of the Mishnah. Is that really shot of the Mishnah? You think that the reason you believe him in the case of when he says, I married her and divorced her, that he's believed is because he has the ability to affect that status? First of all, I get that he could marry her, but divorce, that's going to be initiated by the husband. So how could he be, if, you know, you, so, so like, why would you believe him to say that he divorced her? That's question number one. It's the whole reason of the ratio of the mission, of the beginning of the mission, is because he has the ability to do it. And also, you need the man to agree to marry her. If, if a, the man were to say, I don't want to marry her, he couldn't marry her without another side to that, to that, to that, without the groom. So you cannot say the reason he's believed to say she was married and divorced because he was in control of that. He wasn't in control of the divorce for sure. And he wasn't even really fully in control of the marriage. So how can you say that's what's going on in the mission? And then you had to turn yourself into a pretzel to explain why it didn't apply in the case in the end about the case of being taken captive. So Ella Amaravashi, 
So Varazi says, I'm gonna, let's rewrite this whole thing. Let me explain to you what's really going on in the Mishnah and the difference between the Reisha and the Seifa. Reisha Rachmana Hebne. The reason he's believed to say I married and I divorced my, my, my daughter is because he's believed based on what the Torah said. Okay, we were mentioning this before when we were discussing would somebody else get skila and so on. How far did the Torah believe the father about the status of the daughter? So here's where we're telling us where we know that the father believed, the, the Torah believed the father. So he said, um, uh, the Torah believed him. How do you know a father's belief to say his daughter is forbidden, is married off? I gave my daughter over to this man. And, you know, and then he comes and he makes these false claims, etc. But since the Torah has in the narrative, that's the case of the Motsi Shemra, where the man said that the daughter wasn't a virgin. Um, but since the Torah in the narrative has the father saying, I married her off, you know, the, we're, assume, we're taking from that way it's being presented that he's believed and that, that actually that has weight in the court, you know, that has halachic weight when he says he married her off. So there you see that is the basis why the father is believed to say he married off his daughter. Now, that's about how he married her. How is he believed in the second, in the, when he says, I married her and divorced her? How do we know he should be believed to say that now she's divorced? So he says, When he says, I married her to a man, she's now forbidden. And that's our mission, the previous Mishnah, where now, you know, until somebody makes a claim that it's him, she can't be with anybody because it might be a case of adultery if the father doesn't say who the man is. But then it says, This man he tira, he made it permissible, okay? So therefore, from that, we learn the father has believed that he married her, and by this man, he's making her permissible to this man, and now it would be permissible to others if this man would give her a get, and so on. So the father is believed both in terms of the Kiddushin, and we learn out also to limit the scope of the Kiddushin, you know, and, but with the word Hazet, and his belief to say that he accepted her divorce. And that is a special believability that the Torah gave the father, and that's what's going on in the Mishnah. It has nothing to do with Biyado, and it's unique to that case. So, um, it believes him when it came to issues of marriage, and did not believe him when it came to issues of being taken captive, and therefore he has no believability, and therefore we do not believe she was captive, um, and uh, she is permissible to a Kohen. Okay, now let's take a look at the next Mishnah. Okay. So here also we're doing about believability, but not about children. Somebody is about, and this is very, also very relevant, of course, to the case of marriage, and it's about the issue of Yibum. So somebody said when he was on his deathbed, he said, I have sons. Okay, and therefore, if when I'm going to die, my wife will not be obligated to Yibum. Nobody knows about any sons, but he said they're from a previous marriage, whatever, they're somewhere in Japan, who knows where. He's believed, and she doesn't have to do Yibum. And presumably, we'll see in the Gemara if this is the case, but presumably that means even if we were, we knew that there were brothers, um, and that were the presumption she would be obligated in Yibum, he's believed to say that he has, uh, that he has, so it doesn't have to be sons, children somewhere, and she's exe- she will be exempt from Yibum. However, if let's say he has no known sons, but also no known brothers, and we're assuming she's exempt from Yibum, and he says, I have brothers somewhere off in Japan, he's not believed to now make her need to do Yibum or Chalitza. Okay, so, um, so, 
read that way, it is basically that even to change the status to make her permissible, even when we're presuming Yibum and his obligation, he's believed to say he has sons, but he's not believed to change the status to make her forbidden when he says he has brothers. All right? Now, why exactly that would be is not clear. Um, it could be this issue of Biado. If he wanted to free her from Yibum, he could give her a get. Um, we don't know why, but that seems to be the distinction. The mission does not tell us what the presumptions were before he spoke. All right, let's take a look at the Gemara. So we see he's believed to make her permissible, not to make her forbidden. Let's say our mission is not going like Rebbe so here's a case where when he was getting married, he said exactly what she wanted to hear. Okay? He said, I have sons from a different marriage. I mean, maybe she doesn't want to hear it. She has to raise them. But I have children. I shouldn't say sons. Children from a different marriage. You won't have to worry about Yibam. And then when he's on his deathbed, he says, oh, I was lying. I don't have children. Okay? So, or... At the time of marriage, he says, I don't have brothers, you're not going to have to worry about Yibum. And then on his death, but he says, oh, I was lying, I do have brothers. So Rebbe says, and this is even worse than in our Mishnah, because in our Mishnah, he only says one thing, right? Well, here, though, um, um, he, he, you know, he contradicts himself, and nevertheless, we accept his early statement at the time of marriage that says she's exempt from Yibun and not his later statement. We'll just take him on his word when it comes to making her permissible, not when it comes to making her forbidden. So it's like our Mishnah, you believe him to make her permissible, not forbidden. And again, even in a case where he's contradicting what he said earlier and where the most recent thing he said is actually that he's forbidden. Okay, that's what Rebbe says. Um, Rebbe Nelson Omer, Afnem and Lesser. No, presumably, even if it would maybe be the reverse, you know, he would be uh, believed to make her, like, excuse me, that in this case, excuse me, that if he's now saying at the time of death uh, um, that, he, that, that he has, does not have children or that he has brothers, she is forbidden. You don't, you accept what he is saying at the time of death, okay? So it seems a simple read is without, making too many permutations, that our Mishnah is Rebbe and not Rebbe Nassim. Rebbe, not, Rebbe says, you believe what he says to make her permissible. In our case, Mishnah, it was a case of saying just one thing, like, you know, I have, I have sons, you believe that. If he says one thing, I, I have brothers, you don't believe that. You believe when he says things to make her permissible, not forbidden, whether in the Mishnah saying one or whether in the case of the Breita of saying two things. When he was getting married, he said one. When he was dying, he said the other to contradict what he said when he was getting married. Either way, you just accept what he was saying to make her permissible. And Rabbi Nelson says, you accept what, what he is saying even to make her forbidden. Okay, not sure exactly how he would play out, what order it happens. You always take the statement that makes it more machmir. But anyway, but if, but but... So again, there's a lot of possible permutations here, but certainly the simple reading is that our Mishnah is Rebbe and not and not Rebbe Nasan. Um, I'm a Rava, Shani Hav. Now Rava's going to try to say no. Maybe actually Rebbe Nasan could agree to our Mishnah because, as I've been pointing out, there are some obvious permutations here. In Rebbe Nasan, the reason in his scenario that he's believing is because the Isser he's saying it, it all fits. The things he was saying to make her not worry, he said when they were getting married. Now he's on his deathbed. He already managed to marry her. Um, he's on his deathbed. Maybe now he's feeling laden by guilt. 
and now he's coming clean and he's coming the, and, and he's saying the truth. Okay, so in that scenario, we'll believe what he's saying on his deathbed because it sort of fits and makes sense, you know, and he's guilty about it, that we will believe. And that's why we say that he's believed to make a forbidden. But in the case of our Mishnah, somewhat maybe ironically, um, but, you know, in the, the way Rashi explains in the case of our Mishnah, the issue of Gibum was never concerned at the marriage. He never even brought up the idea at the marriage whether he has brothers or not has brothers. So now that he's saying it, it's not like, oh, you feel he lied and he has guilt and he's trying to rectify it on his deathbed. Like maybe it's the opposite. Maybe he wants to make her tsaras for her at the end of his life. Okay? So what Rava's saying is, you know, there's like way, a, a lot of different factors here. And so what Rava's trying to say is maybe Rebbe Nosson would basically say no. The basic principle is. You know, you believe him to, to say she's mutter, not to say she's usher. But in the case of the Breita, where he said, she told her exactly what she wanted to hear when she was getting married and telling her something different now, and so clearly this was always a concern, there's a reasonable read of this that he's having guilt now, and therefore you are going to actually maybe have to give weight to what he says now, that he doesn't have sons or that he does have brothers. Okay, so that's the way Rava tries to make those two fit. Amalei um, Abayi, Abayi disagreed, and Abayi says... Wait a minute, I could have you the exact opposite. In the case of the Brita, he's contradicting himself. So we should more throw out his testimony. And nevertheless, for Rebbe Nosan, we're worried about the last thing he said, and we're worried to make her forbidden. He said nothing prior. Certainly, we should go ahead and we should be afraid, at least for Rebbe Nassan, we should take his claim that she, is, that she is forbidden, okay? So a lot of things that are not clear, I mean, the Gemara is trying to figure out whether our Mishnah can be even Rebbe Nassan or not, but there's so many things that aren't clear here, which is like, what was the presumed status before he spoke, you know, and, um, and why would he be, what is the logic of Rebbe that he's believed to say she's permissible and not believed to say she's forbidden? Is he being consistent with the presumed status prior or not consistent with the presumed status prior? Is it because he has the ability to give her a get and that's for if he wanted to get her out of Yibam and therefore he's believed? A lot of things that are not clear. We will finish up with this tomorrow. We'll see how um, Abaye rereads the Mishnah. He will address some of these questions of what the presumed status was beforehand, but um, still there will be uh, things that remain, um, you know, not fully clear about all of these factors.